0: that. Hey, listen, we're starting off this year, uh, Mitchell Breen with a series called 2020 Vision. And what I know is this, that if we can get our focus on Jesus, if we can get our focus on him, then we will be able to see clearly what it is that God has for us to do. Uh, we want to know what he wants us to do as a church, as individuals. We want to walk with him. We want to be used by him to make a difference in the world. And I just know this, if we can get our focus in uh, and get him clearly, uh, uh, clear in our in our eyes, that we're going to be able to see what it is he has for us to do. And so <clears throat> to uh, kind of revisit that, what I'm doing is getting us refocused on the mission and the vision that has led this church for so many years, there is a vision statement that we, uh, that we follow here at this church, and this is what it is. It says, we exist to see people saved, to see saved people grow, and to encourage believers to reach the next person. And that's a fantastic mission statement, vision statement. It ensures that as a church, we don't just become inward focused, just thinking about ourselves that happens in a lot of churches and it's easy for it to happen. And that is not the kind of church this is. This is a church that wants to see people in our community, our neighbors, our friends, our family members come to know Jesus. We want to see them come to church and join us here. So we don't have a church where you've got to look a certain way and act a certain way to be able to come. We're a church that says, hey, you can come as you are, because that's what Jesus says. Come as you are. Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, right? And so we know that we see people around us that are struggling, they're burdened down by life. And and we can say, hey, come with me. Uh, We have a church that's open for you. And so we invite people here so they can come to know Jesus. We are also living on mission in our communities, trying to reach the people around us, open to the people that God wants us to minister in their lives. And then we want to see saved people grow, So it's not just enough to come to know Jesus, we want to see you, those of you who follow Jesus, who've made a decision to put your trust in him, we want to see you grow. And that's the part of our mission statement that we're going to talk about this morning, that we're we're intended to grow. Um, The title of today's message, 2020 Vision, his mission, our focus is discipleship. We're looking at the five purposes for the church. That's how we're gonna accomplish this mission that God has given to us and that we've laid out as a church. We're gonna focus in on the five biblical purposes for the church. Um, They are worship, which we looked at last week. We learned that God is not needy. He doesn't need us to worship him to be fulfilled. He's not sitting around in heaven going, man, I haven't had anybody worship me yesterday. I need some worship or I'm not going to get through the day. That's not how God's acting. He doesn't need us. He's self-sufficient. He's complete in and of himself, uh, himself. But we need to worship. We need to worship because the thing that we worship, the object of our worship, dictates who we will become. If we worship the wrong thing, then we're going to become the wrong people. But God intended us to reflect him, and so we need to worship him so we become more like him right? And so we looked at that last week. We talked about how, you know, we have a sound system in here, and God has given us the ability through technology to increase the volume a little bit so that we don't hear each other, right? So that we can sing out. Because so some of you guys don't want to sing. You're like, well, I don't sing. I, I don't have a good voice. And I go, hey, that's why we have a good sound system. You don't have to. It doesn't matter. We're not dependent on you carrying a tune to have good worship. We got the people with good voices up here. They lead us, It's it's a beautiful thing, but you need to worship. You need to worship. Your kids, men, your kids need to see you worship. When you worship God, when you're trying to sing it out, it affects their hearts. They go, hey, that's for me. That's what I want to do. I need to worship God. And so uh, we were just encouraged by that last week, that God wants our worship. We need to love him with all that we are. And this week we're going to look at discipleship, which is the second purpose. We're going to move on to fellowship, service, and mission. We'll look at those five purposes. And I know that if we can get focused in on purpose, that it gives us direction. It allows us to clearly invest our time and energy and talents in a direction that is focused and will become more effective. It's important that we connect to the mission God has for us as a church, the purpose that he has us here. And then as we create programs and we do things and have efforts as a church, they'll be focused in on accomplishing the things that God wants us to do. We are made in God's image. There's been many books written about what it means that we're made in God's image. What does that mean? Been a lot of work done, a lot of effort, a lot of ink spilled to try to explain that and dig into it. We don't maybe never completely understand all that that means, but part of what it means is that we were made to reflect him. God made us in his image as opposed to and different distinct than the animals, other creatures that are on this planet. Human beings were made in his image. In the beginning, in Genesis, we see the existence of God, the three in one. We know that he's Trinity, three persons that make up one God, because in Genesis it says um, that God said, we will make man or humans in our own image, and so they made us. Uh, the one God, three in one, made us uh, to reflect who He is. Made us to live like Him, not to be Him. Okay, distinction. Uh, we're not made. We're not going to become God, right? Lucifer, who is known as the devil, uh, fell prey to that temptation. He, in his pride, thought that he, the created being, could become greater. Than his creator, and he wanted to be God, and so he rebelled. So, we're not talking about being God. The Mormon church teaches that you can become a God like Jesus. Okay, no, we're not talking about that. Just want to be clear, but we are talking about looking, acting, behaving like God. We reflect Him, we reflect His nature. Jesus came to break the curse of sin that has caused us not to reflect God. We see in the beginning, as I said, Adam and Eve, the first two human beings chose to disobey God, and they sinned, and that sin brought a curse on the world, and it changed us. It caused us not to live for God, but to live for ourselves. And that sin which has marred our planet and our solar system and each of our lives, Jesus came to reverse the effects of that curse so that we could once again be transformed from the inside out, reflecting God with who we really are. How does that happen in our lives? How does the curse get reversed? How does it happen that we begin to reflect God? It happens as we become disciples of Jesus. The word disciple, most often translated in the New Testament, means follower, follower. We are to become followers of Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. I'm following Jesus. Jesus. We see this and the importance of it in the Great Commission. This is one of the main passages we're looking at in this series. And Jesus is speaking here, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It says this Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey. All the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God's mission for us as a church continues as we learn to obey Jesus, as we are taught the commands of Jesus, as we learn. Growing spiritual growth is the process of discipleship. Uh, in the scriptures, salvation is referred to in three categories there is justification. That is what happens when we trust in Christ. We put our trust in Him. The scriptures say that legally our sins are forgiven, they're wiped away. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, His death on the cross, He paid for our sins. And so when we put our faith in the work of Jesus on the cross, the Bible teaches us that we are justified, we're made right. The second aspect of our salvation is called sanctification. Sanctification means to be set apart, to be made holy. So the process of growth, growing spiritually to become more like Jesus, is the process that we're talking about today. It's being sanctified. Um, And then we have glorification, which happens when we spend eternity with Jesus upon the resurrection, and our bodies are made like his, and we're made new. Growing means learning, learning about Jesus, learning about his commands, learning how God wants us to live. That's one piece of it. And the second piece is the obedience, learning to obey. Um, this is the process of growth, and we've got to go through it. When I was a kid, uh, in our children's classes at church, we lear- I learned this song. And uh, I couldn't spell very many words. Uh, I was never very good at spelling. Uh, when Microsoft Word came along with spell checks, saved my life, okay, saved my bacon. But, um, but I did learn to spell one word when I was in Sunday school. Uh, not just one, but one that was in a song that I was taught. And it went this way, O B E D. I-E-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. I learned that song when I was a kid. And can I tell you, that's why what happens in our children's programming. Uh, Amy Ruder teaches our kids along with a bunch of volunteers, her husband Ryan, and they invest in our children. It's so important. Because can I tell you that when my wife sends me to the store to get groceries, I oftentimes can't remember what is on the list. Like, text me the list, I'm going to forget but I can remember a song I learned when I was a kid that is essential to my spiritual walk, right? And so we want to invest in our children. We want to get our kids in that program so they can learn these things. They can be impress- uh, they're impressionable, and they can memorize and remember the truths and the principles that will help them for the rest of their lives. Because that song, as simple and silly as it is, is key. That's what we're talking about today. Obedience, spiritual growth, results in character transformation, As I grow spiritually, my character is changed. Who I am on the inside is changed. Spiritual growth does not happen automatically. Little baby Shiloh, uh, as long as she's fed and watered, is going to grow, right? She's going to grow. She's going to change. Her body's going to develop. She's not going to stay a little baby as much as my wife might want to keep her in that phase. (laughs) It's not going to happen. She can't stop it. Her body's going to grow, and that's important. It's supposed to happen that way, as I remind her. I want little babies all over the place, okay? Love them, but, you know, we're supposed to grow. But the same is true of spiritual growth. The problem is it doesn't just happen automatically. It doesn't. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. It takes some, uh, some work. Um, spiritual growth starts with trusting God to teach you how to live this life. Um, I've had friends begin to follow Jesus and say, I feel like I'm losing myself. And I say, yeah, <laughs> you are losing yourself. You're losing control of your life. You're giving it over to God. Instead of you determining and controlling everything you're going to do, you're listening and being taught and obeying God and what he says to do. So when you get into a conflict with somebody, no longer are you handling that the way you want to, to ensure that that you get through it the right way and you're protected and you're safe and you get what you want. No, now you're listening to Jesus and you're doing it the way he wants you to, which is very different. you got to trust him you got to let him lead you. Uh, It includes learning the truth of God's word, learning what God has to say to us. Uh, We gain that knowledge, that insight, through the word of God. That's why it's called the Holy Bible. Uh, It's not just a a book written by men, but it's a book written by God. This is what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. The Holy Scriptures, the Word of God, it's inspired. That means God breathed through human beings as they wrote. So it looked like the Apostle Paul was writing, and he was. It was his brain at work, but through a miraculous work, the Holy Spirit was breathing through him. That's what inspiration is. So it's in in effect at the end, it is God's word that we have. It's what God wants us to have. It's important that we see it that way and that we listen to the scriptures, that we take in God's word, that we hold it with reverence and importance, that we don't establish ourselves and our opinions over what the Bible has to say. Do you know that the culture we live in the way that you've been taught, the things that you've been taught to believe and think will at times contradict with what the Bible says, right? That's uh, true. Happens in every generation. And in every generation, there is a wrestling with am I going to change what the Bible says? Am I going to say, ah, oh, I don't believe that. I don't like the way that sounds. I don't like the way that feels. Or am I going to come under its authority? And let it be the authority that speaks into my life and not the other influences. This is, uh, this is difficult, but it's part of the process of growing. You're never going to grow spiritually like you need to if you don't recognize that the Bible is God's word, it's his authority, and that you are to learn and submit to it because that's what God is saying to you. Spiritual growth involves listening to the Holy Spirit as he speaks into our lives. Scripture teaches us, Jesus said, when he went back to heaven, he said, I'm going to send a comforter, the Holy Spirit who's going to come and dwell within you, the Spirit of God, and he's going to teach you. He's going to uh, impress upon you the things that you need to learn. And so the Holy Spirit's presence speaks into our lives. And then um, lastly, what's required, which I touched on already because it's so key, is that spiritual growth requires obedience to God's word and to the Holy Spirit. Obedience. It's been a problem throughout the history of the world as God has worked with people, this obedience thing. Probably the crux of the whole issue to grow spiritually. Um, In Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah brought a word of God to the people of God. This is what he said This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says Take your burnt offerings and your other sacrifices and eat them yourselves. When I led your ancestors out of Egypt, it was not burnt offerings and sacrifices. That I wanted from them. This is what I told them Obey me, and it will be good. Uh, obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Do everything I say, and all will be well. God was saying, Look, you guys are bringing me offerings. Uh, you're bringing me sacrifices. We do the same thing today. Uh, God, I'll bring you my service. I'll bring you my money. Uh, I'll, I'll show up to the things I'm supposed to show up to. I'll do the right stuff. And God said to the nation of Israel, Keep that stuff. Eat it yourself. That's not what I'm after. I need your heart. I need your willingness to submit to me and grow, listen to me and learn from me. Again, God is not needy. He doesn't need people to obey him, okay? He's not saying to us, obey me, because God has some uh, inferiority complex that he needs to be met by people just following him and obeying him and doing what he says. No, he sees us and our situation And he asks us to obey him, commands us to obey him so that we can move in the direction he's trying to take us. So we can become the people that he intended for us to be. We'll never reflect him and his nature if we don't learn to obey him, if we don't come under God's authority. The first king of Israel also struggled with this issue. Saul was the first king of Israel. God chose him to be the king, to lead out the nation of God, to follow God and to listen to God's commands. And yet Saul, time and time again, when given instructions and orders, would go out and do just the opposite. He would do what he wanted to do. And then he would be confronted by a prophet, and the prophet would say, "Uh, Saul, why didn't you do what God told you to do? And Saul said, no, I did, I did. And then he would explain how he didn't do what God had told him to do. It was so frustrating. God finally got fed up with him. And in First Samuel 15, verse 22, the prophet Samuel comes to Saul and says this. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your, your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Check this out. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the commandment of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. God said, listen, I'm fed up with this. I can't use you to lead the nation of Israel if you won't listen to me and obey what I'm saying. Obedience is the crux. It matters the most above all else when we're following Jesus. Spiritual growth involves living the rhythm of prayer. A couple, uh, some time ago, I can't remember how long ago, uh, preached a sermon on uh, this rhythm of talking to God. And we learned that we need to ask God for what we need. We come to him with our needs, our requests, and then we thank him for all he's done. And this rhythm of prayer develops us spiritually, teaches us to trust God, to lean on him, to depend on him rather than ourselves. And so asking God, Thanking God, asking God, thanking God. This is a rhythm that we need to walk in. Uh, Spiritual growth matures through pain and struggle. Pain and struggle play an important role in our growth and development. And spiritual growth, when lived out properly, perseveres to the end of this life. So Jesus calls us to be disciples, right? He said, uh, come and follow me. Uh, Come, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And so we're called to a process of growth. I want to tell you that you're called to a process of growth. You're not meant to be a Christian who stays the same through your whole life looking for heaven. Okay, listen, you're saved from your sins to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. But if you think that's what you're waiting for, and you're just going to put the button on pause until that time comes, and you're going to do what you want and live how you want, listen, that's not how this was intended to be. That's not what Jesus came to do. That's why he didn't say, uh, just believe in me. And that's all you need to do. He said, follow me. And so we enter this process of growth. There's three things that you must do to grow spiritually. And that's what I want to hit on this morning. I want to give you a plan and a strategy and some things to focus on. Because God has called us into this. And I want to do everything I can do to push you, to prod you, to encourage you, to challenge you. Whatever I got to do to help you to keep moving Uh, to keep growing. Uh, It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. There is more for you to learn. There's more for you to be obedient in, right? You know that's true, right? Doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. We still have more to do, more to learn, more to grow. And I have that. I got to step my game up. God's called me to something here. I got to step my game up. Uh, I've got to increase my uh, ability and my uh, consistency with walking with Jesus. I got to grow, And we all need to do that. So the first thing you must do to grow spiritually is you must be intentional. You must be intentional. If you're taking notes, write that down. You must be intentional. Ephesians 4, 21 through 23 says this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned uh, the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is a simple process of growth, but it's an intentional one. The Apostle Paul writing here is saying, look, there's some things you've got to do if you're going to grow spiritually. There's some things you've got to pay attention to. Disciples look more like Jesus every day. There's a little bit of progress, a little bit of stepping forward, a little bit of movement, a little bit of growth. This transformation into Christ-likeness requires an intentional process. First thing, as we talked about, uh, growing, becoming a disciple, growing requires learning and then obeying. So learning about Jesus. We've got to learn what his commands are. We've got to learn what his instructions are. First step, how do we do that? Simple, simple things. Spend time reading and studying the Bible. Spend time. Uh, do you have that built into your life yet? A lot of us have heard that we need to have daily quiet time, and we built that into our lives. Listen, that is important. There's days that you might do that and feel like, I didn't get a lot out of that. I I don't know if I learned anything. Hey, listen, that's okay. Consistency, repetition will build into your life. You will gain from that process. need to spend time reading and studying the Bible, learning what God has to say. That changes us. It shapes us. We can't obey what God says if we don't know what he says. Pray. Spend time in focused prayer. Spend time in focused prayer. Praying for the needs of the the people around you, the people that you're investing your life in. Praying for the issues and concerns that you have in your life. It can be difficult. When I was younger, uh, man, my attention span was very short. I'd try to pray in a focused way, and pretty soon my mind was off on other things. It was difficult to keep myself focused in on prayer. Gotten a little bit easier as I've gotten older. Um, I heard another pastor, Pastor Scott Mathis, uh, shared one time that he uh, used to pastor this church, that he would uh, wake up middle of the night, which I'm starting to have happen to me. <laughs> wake up in the middle of the night, can't go back to sleep. And he goes, I just pray in that time. And so that happened to me last night. I said, I got, listen, I'm going to pray. I'm going to try this out. And uh, it actually worked pretty well. I was able to stay focused. And then the next thing I knew it was morning. So listen, uh, focus prayer. But it's important. Use your time and energy praying, talking to God. Um, and then live in a spirit of prayer. The Bible talks about continually, praying continually or praying without ceasing. And really what that's talking about is walking through life with a connection to God, a sense of his presence in your life and asking him uh, to interact on the issues that you're facing as you go throughout your day. So many of us just go, you know what, this is up to me. And we live as though we have no connection to God in our daily life. Well, we do, we have access to his presence. Spend time with another follower of Jesus who is further along in their walk than you. Spend time with somebody who can show you a vision and a picture of where you could end up, where you need to grow to. Listen, we've got to get a picture of that. Sometimes we're not sure what it looks like to grow to the next level. What would it look like? Well, I'm doing pretty good, you know? I'm better than all the people I know. I'm following Jesus, my life looks better than theirs. And so, because we're not being challenged, we're not seeing what the next level would look like. This can be difficult. It can be hard to find that connection, kind of a mentoring relationship or a discipleship relationship where uh, we're meeting with somebody else and and we're getting that challenge. We're getting pulled a little and pushed a little. And we're seeing where we need to grow to. But it's so important. That's one of the ways we grow, is a life-on-life interaction. Listen, this year, we're going to start Uh, an intentional one-on-one discipleship process. You know, originally I was hired to be the discipleship pastor. We're not going to let that go. So we're working right now to develop a process that we can implement here in the church so that our discipleship, that aspect of it, that life on life is intentional. I want to challenge you to consider being a part of that when that opportunity arises, that we could uh, invest in each other's lives in a personal way. Take classes that will grow your knowledge of the faith. Uh, here at Mitchell-Breen, we have core classes. We offer them several times a year. Just started today, uh, another round of those classes. There's a class called Bible Basics. It'll give you a little bit of uh, knowledge of the Bible as a whole, an overview, a little bit better way to understand it and study it. Might be something that you need to do. Go to the next level in your Bible study and understanding. We've got a class that will help you understand what it means to be a partner with, uh, with the church here to increase your commitment to this church? Do you know that your growth, what you get out of something, is in direct proportion to what you put into it, right? And so if you invest more in this church, you're going to receive more from this church. That's how it works. And so maybe you need to take advantage of that. There's another class uh, called Shape, and it's all about discovering how you're designed and wired to be involved in the work of God, to be in ministry. So maybe you need to jump into one of those classes. It's not too late. You just missed a week. You can get into it. Uh, uh, You you know, contact the church office. Contact me. We'll get you signed up and into it. Maybe that's what you need to do. Take advantage of these opportunities to grow. Uh, Another thing, intentional thing that we need to do to grow oftentimes is to get an accountability partner. Accountability partner is someone that you can get real with. Listen, we know that in this world we struggle with sin. We struggle with um, the difficulties of giving up our sinful path and following Jesus. And part of giving up our sinful uh, path and resisting that, the temptation of that, is at times getting real with somebody about the secret sins that are controlling our lives, that we're stuck in, we can't break free from. Um, this is not uncommon. It's not something that you're alone in. A lot of people. Uh, encounter a struggle with sin that they can't break free of. There's a bondage to it. And can I just tell you this, that when it's a secret and you feel isolated and alone, which is where the enemy wants you, then you can't break free. And getting free and loose from that is incredibly difficult, sometimes impossible. But here's what happens. The beauty of accountability, the beauty of relationships with other believers is it meeting with somebody, coming clean, saying, listen, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where I'm at gives the opportunity for that secret to be released. And there's a freedom that comes in that or comes through it. It can be an important part of our spiritual growth. Some of us are hung up on something that we've been hung up for a long time. We need to get free from it. Maybe this is a step that you need to take. It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to happen automatically. You've got to seek it out. And I know it's tough. You've got to find somebody you can trust. It's not going to misuse that information. They're going to uh, take care of it protect you as you battle with it, show grace and mercy to you, but also accountability and push you to break free from that sin. There is freedom found in Jesus. Jesus did not die for us so that we could be stuck in our sin. That's not what he died for. He came to set us free. We need to get rid of the old sinful behavior. I heard an older gentleman not long ago, I worked for a Christian company, out of Lincoln, Nebraska, before I came here. And uh, so they would, um, we'd go to sales meetings and uh, we'd get a, a little sermon. And uh, one of the older gentlemen that helped start the company stood up and told us, listen, if you're struggling with sin, just stop. Stop. And I was like, listen, that's a good word. <laughs> but if it were that easy, we are, none of us would be sinning, right? But, but, but listen, it's still a good word because that's part of the process. We do need to acknowledge that there's sin in our lives. Sometimes we don't want to acknowledge it. We just want to let it go. In the modern church, we don't like to talk about sin a lot. Don't want to hear sermons about sin, it's kind of yucky. Uh, It it makes us feel um, discouraged, right? We just don't want to hear about the yuckiness. Give me something positive, preacher. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you this, you can't get to the positive if we don't first deal with the problem. And the problem is that we struggle with sin. It is in our lives. And Paul says, listen, got to move away from that. Get rid of the old sinful behavior. And that does mean stop. Now, the process of stopping can require some extra work and strategy, okay, and a a, a plan. And we, we need some help with that oftentimes. One of the things we can do, which I talked about last week, is cut out, stop feeding the appetite for sin. Stop feeding and fueling it. That only makes it grow. We can control that. We can, we can cut it off. We can starve it at the source. Sometimes that's the first step. But we need to get rid of that behavior. Confession, the word confession, just means to agree with God. Some of us just need to agree that that thing in our lives is not something God wants there. We need to stop justifying it, saying it's okay, it's not that bad. Oh, it's not as bad as somebody else's problem. We need to be ruthless about that and agree with God. It's not okay. And then repentance means to turn from our sin. Go the other direction. It literally means to make a 180. Get rid of your old sinful behavior. Secondly, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Holy Spirit begin to change you and transform you. That means talking to him. That means listening to him. That means being aware of his presence and allowing him to change and transform you. You come up against a situation some conflict, some difficulty with another person, and you want to get through it the way you've always gotten through it, right? Your plan, your process to get through a problem person and to deal with them. But wait a minute, the Holy Spirit is in your life, and he says to do something different. No, don't take revenge on them. Don't set up a trap for them, try to destroy them. No, no, no. God says, that's my job. Let me take care of that. You forgive you continue to walk in love. And we say, well, wait a minute, that's not going to work. How am I going to know that that's going to fix the problem? They'll just come back and do it again. If I don't take care of them and get rid of the problem, it's going to reemerge in my life. And God says, "Uh, you got to trust me. Do what I'm telling you to do. Follow my plan. And the Holy Spirit wants to change our attitudes, wants to change how we look at others, how we interact with people, how we deal with the problems in our lives. Our thoughts and attitudes, he wants to begin to push and lead us in another direction. we got to let him teach us. we got to listen to his voice. You can drown out the Holy Spirit's voice. You can just say, look, I'm not uh, paying attention to that. Yeah, I used to feel guilty when I would do that. I don't feel guilty anymore because I just quit listening. Uh, It's called quenching the Holy Spirit, right? We can do that. We need to have a sensitivity to him. Sometimes that just means getting on our knees and saying, God, I'm sorry that I've walked away. I need to come back to you. Please speak into my life. I want to change. I want to be obedient. So put off the old sinful nature. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him change us. And put on your new nature of obedience to Jesus. Simple process of growth. But we start living in obedience to what Jesus wants us to do. Oftentimes we're waiting to feel like doing it. Feel like doing the right thing. Uh, can I just tell you, if you're waiting for that, it might never happen, okay? It might never feel. Feelings follow obedience. The truth is when we change a behavior and we start to do the right thing and obey Jesus, that feeling good about it typically comes along later. It's not something that leads the process. We don't wait for a good feeling to be obedient. We be obedient because we're told to, because we're submitting to Jesus' authority in our life. This is the process of becoming more Christ-like. In the early church, it tells us in the book of Acts that Antioch was the first place that the followers of Jesus or followers of the way were called Christians. Christians. This was not a compliment that they were called Christians, okay? It was an accusation. They were told, the people around them in Antioch saw these people and they said, you're one of those people that's trying to be like Jesus. We can tell because of what you're doing, how you're living. We can see it, okay? So they're accusing them of being little Christ. You're trying to be like him. I heard a challenging question years ago that I want to ask you today. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Uh, Would there be enough evidence in your life for someone in a court of law to say, yeah, she's a Christian. She's trying to live like Jesus. She's trying to follow him. Or would there not be? And the truth is we all get to points in our lives where we're maybe not living it out like we should. We're not doing the things that we know we should be doing. So it's a challenge to us to step up, to become more like Jesus, to follow him. We've got to work on growing in our obedience to God. It's got to be intentional. Philippians 2, 12-13 says this, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying with deep reverence and fear. For, God's, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God wants to do this work in us. We cannot change and transform ourselves, but we've got to be a part of the process and it's intentional. We've got to have a plan. We've got to work the plan and the process if we're going to grow. Second thing that you must do is you must endure through difficulty. You must endure through difficulty. Challenges hard times. We've got to endure through these. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We can rejoice, too, when we face trials and difficulties. There was uh, some women in a Bible study many, many years ago. They encountered a passage from Malachi 3, verse 3. And God refers to himself in this passage as a refiner of silver, that he's going to refine his leaders, uh, his class of priests. He was going to sit over them like a silver refiner, and he was going to watch them and work in their lives. And so these women said, what does a silver refiner do? If that's what God is doing, and that's part of the work in our lives that he does, what does this look like? And so they went and found a silversmith, a guy that worked with silver, and they asked him about the process. What does it look like? How does this work? Do you have to sit over the silver uh, as it's being refined? And he said, yeah, yeah, i got to sit there and watch it. Turn up the heat on the silver. It starts to melt, right? And then the impurities come to the surface, and I scrape them off. And I've got to watch carefully because if the heat gets one degree too hot, it'll damage the silver. And I don't want that to happen. I'm trying to refine the silver and pull it out. And he said, I know my work is done when I can look into the silver and see my reflection. Listen, you can trust God with the process of refinement. It hurts. It's painful. I do not go through uh, being stretched being tested, I don't go through times of difficulty always with, the, with grace. I can whine and complain and yelp, right? It's not always a pretty process, but the process is important. God is working to refine you. He's going to be careful that the heat doesn't get so hot that it damages you. That's not his goal. Damage comes into your life through the work of the enemy, through the work of sin, not through the work of God. God is working to heal you, to build you up, to strengthen you right? That's his goal through trials and tribulations and difficulties. And he knows the work is done when Jesus can look at your life and see his reflection, right? When you reflect him, this is what we are meant to do. This is the process of growth and maturity. Your faith will not mature without pain and struggle. Listen, this is why as parents, we do not protect our children from all pain, because pain is part of the process that matures us. Uh, if you want your kids living with you when they're 30, then, then protect them from everything, okay? And that may sound kind of cute right now, but trust me, it's not cute when it happens. You do not want to see that happen. Uh, and so we got to allow them to go through some pain and struggle. We don't protect them from everything. It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch them go uh, be on the struggle bus with something and, and, and difficult. That's not fun, we want to reach in and protect them and, and stop the pain and the struggle, but we can't. We got to understand the process of maturity. God knows this. He's working to see us mature. Paul, the Apostle Paul, called this life of following Jesus a race. He said, It's a race. You got to learn to run the race in such a way as to win. It's not just about competing. Uh, everyone doesn't just, you just get, a, uh, get a prize for entering the race, but you need to run in such a way as to win the race. Go after it. Go after the prize. Following Jesus is this kind of process. Are you working your plan of change and transformation? Do you have a plan to grow? Do you have a plan to become more like Jesus? Do you have an intentional process? Are you working that plan? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, the apostle Paul writes this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm disciplining my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might di- get disqualified. Um, <clears throat> I went through a period of life where I think um, uh, had a little um, brain malfunction, and I thought that I would try to run a marathon. Uh, and so <clears throat> I got into this process with another guy, and we started training initially just for a half marathon. And, um, and then we, we did that a couple times. We made it through, finished, and we thought, hey, if we can do this, we can run a half marathon, then we can run a marathon. Can I just tell you that because you can run a half marathon does not mean that you can run a marathon. Those are two different things. They're in different, uh, they're in different solar systems, okay? But <clears throat> we attempted, and, uh, and by God's grace, you know, we didn't die, and we did finish. But, uh, but here's the thing. There, there was a plan and a process for it, and it took working through pain and difficulty. What is holding you back? What is keeping you from growing spiritually? Do you have a plan? Are you persevering through difficulty and struggle? Realize that this is part of the process. What struggle are you in the middle of right now? And what do you need to understand about it in order to grow? What is God trying to teach you? What changes do you need to make to your program so that you can run this spiritual race to win? There's a quote that a friend of mine posted um, on his Facebook page this week that fit perfectly, and it's so powerful. St. Ignatius from 107 A.D., 107 years after Jesus was born, he wrote these words. Victory over death was obtained in Christ. Stand firm like an anvil which is beaten. It is the part of a noble athlete to be wounded and yet to conquer. Run your race with increasing energy. Weigh the times carefully and while you are here, be a conqueror. Come on. Come on, man, we've been called into this race. Jesus has called us to make a difference in this world. It gets me fired up to read a dude that lived hundred—I mean, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, and this was his resolve. He understood that we've got to be tough. We've got to be hardened. We're going to get pounded like an anvil gets beat on all day long, but it's hardened. It's tough. It's gained the strength to undergo that, to play its role. Like a, a champion um, in a competition, we're going to get hurt. We're going to get wounded got to get back up, move forward, press into the race. I love when he says, run your race with increasing energy. Listen, you're getting older. I'm turning 50 this year. You know, I could slow down. I could say, man, I worked hard. It's time to take it a little easy. No, listen, run harder, run faster, give more energy to your walk. Don't allow yourself to back down and take it easy. Step into the calling that God has for you. If you're still here, breathe in breath, breathe in oxygen, on this planet. There's a purpose for it. There's someone that you could invest in. There's work for you to do. Let's don't take the easy path. Let's step in. While you're here, be a conqueror. Listen, we can't expect to get in shape spiritually by watching exercise videos. It's not going to get us in shape. We got to get off the couch, get in the gym, work. Uh, if, If all your spiritual input into your life is listening to what others have done, the work others have done, to dig into the scriptures. And listen, I'm not putting down a devotional. Devotionals are great. Getting someone else's thoughts is awesome. But are you digging in? Are you doing the work? Are you spending some time digging into God's word and going, God, what are you saying to me? I wanna mine out some of the truth of your word. Investing in your spiritual growth, strengthening yourself by the effort that you put forth. This is what's required for us to grow. The third thing that you must do in order to grow spiritually is you must stay connected to Jesus. You must stay connected. John 15, five, Jesus said this. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So often we we wanna see God work through us when he's really trying to work on us. There's a development process, a maturity process that needs to happen in our lives. Are you staying connected to Jesus? Are you recognizing that we're to remain in his love, to walk in his love? It's not just about doing stuff. It's not just about performing. It's not just about uh, the things that we're doing to try to grow, but it's walking and staying connected to him, living in his love, and then obeying his commands. And Jesus said, there's no greater command than this, um, or not no greater command, but he said, this is the command I give you. It's a new command that you love one another. So we're supposed to love Jesus and stay in his love. We're obeying his commands, and his command is that we love each other. There's no better marker or indicator of where we're at spiritually in our walk with Jesus than how well we're doing at loving the people around us. Are we living and walking in him? It's not about what you produce, okay? It's about who you're connected to. Jesus said you're gonna produce fruit. You're gonna produce spiritual fruit with your life. The only way it can happen Is you stay connected to me. The enemy will seek to separate you from your God. He will seek to come in and cause you to question who God is and what God has said. If he can cause you to question that, he will move you away from your walk with God, your dependency on him. So be intentional about growing, persevere through difficult times, stay connected to Jesus. There was a group of tourists that were visiting a small town in the panhandle of Western Nebraska. They walked past a fence line, saw an older gentleman sitting there, and one of the guys in the tourist group shouted out to the the older gentleman. He said, hey, uh, have any famous men been born in this town? And the old gentleman fired right back and said, nope, just babies. (laughs) Okay, listen, uh, we all come to Jesus. When we come to Jesus, whether we're 6 or 66, we're a baby. That's how we start. Now, a 40-year-old baby Christian is not a good thing. Somebody's been a Christian for 40 years and they're still a baby in Christ. That's, that's a tragedy. We're meant to grow. I wanna challenge you and encourage you to step up. This year, let it be a year of growth. Uh, take seriously the opportunity to be discipled, to become a stronger, more committed, more faithful disciple of Jesus. Be intentional about it. Take the opportunities that we provide as a church, but take responsibility for it yourself as a follower of Jesus. Say, I'm not gonna put up with the, the, the situation or the, the level that I've obtained, I'm gonna go for the next level, all right? God, thank you so much for calling us into a relationship with you that is active, that's moving. It's not stagnant. We're not supposed to stay stuck in the same place, but we're supposed to keep moving closer to you. Father, I pray that you would encourage us and challenge each one of us to take the opportunities in this life, not to just ride, take the safe path, the easy path, but to step up to continue to press forward, to run with more energy, to overcome the difficulties, to get rid of the sin in our lives, and to follow you so that we can make a difference in the world that you want us to make. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.